Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. And this is week 32 and 33. We're going to go ahead and finish up Leviticus this week. It'll consist of Leviticus 25, 26, and 27. We're going to be talking about the seventh year of release, what people call the Shemitah year. We're going to be talking about the uh, year of Jubilees. Jubilee. And uh, quite a few other things. So with that, let's pray and we'll get right into it. Father, yeah, we just come before you in Yahushua's name. We thank you for allowing us to study like this together across the four corners of the earth. We long to be regathered and we long for the return of Yahushua HaMashiach. Father, until then, help us to understand your word, to study it, Father, and to grow. And uh, that we may be found faithful hearers and doers of your word. In Yahushua's name, amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat Shalom. The best day of the week. Um... So, I just in just in case you're new, um, what we do here is we just go through a little bit of the the Torah each week, and we read through it, we study it, we figure out what can we what can we keep in the literal. What does it mean to us figuratively, spiritually, whatever you want to call it? Uh, so we're we're looking at the letter of the law, we're looking at the spirit of the law. And at the end of the day, the mindset that I have and many of us who are studying uh, this together is we've been taught all of our life, no one can keep the law perfectly. Only Messiah did. So it's almost like one of those, well, you know, so, since I can't keep the law. But the mindset that we're having now is we love you, Father. We love, we, we are so thankful you sent your son. And we just want to walk like he did, obediently. So... What can we keep? What can we do? Show us how to do it, Father. We want to do it. That's the attitude, at least that the perspective that I'm coming from uh, with doing this. So let's do a quick shofar blast together. I'm going to do road shofar. You all do shofars at home, and we'll make some noise together, and then we'll start with Leviticus 25. So see you in just a second. Okay, and here we are at Leviticus 25, and we'll go ahead and get started. Yeah, a lot of you ask what uh, scriptures we read from. I think there's many good translations out there. Um, I tend to like the Sefer the most. Um, def I definitely don't agree with all of the translations, and I, and I don't think there's really any perfect English translation out there. That's just my opinion. Um, but I, I do like it, and this is what we're going to be reading from. So, the Sefer. Um, we will be cross-referencing with, with many other uh, translations and 
Um, well, I'll be also including the Greek Septuagint and all that good stuff. So, Leviticus 25, And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashorel, it's Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Shabbat unto Yahuwah. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Shabbat of rest unto the land, a Shabbat for Yahuwah. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So pause there real quickly. So it's like all of creation needs a rest, although the only thing I don't, I guess the sun, the moon, and stars don't rest, but uh, everything here, I guess, on the earth needs a rest. So we learned that, of course, in, um, we learned that on the Shabbat, we are to rest, um, you know, even our, our, uh, our animals, our employees, everyone rests. And so, but in, in, a, in a similar way, the land rests every seven years. So kind of a similar cycle here, and you're just seeing a pattern. And, you know, ultimately, I believe that this, the seventh day Shabbat, the seventh year of rest, ultimately points to uh, the seventh day of creation, which I believe is the millennial reign, the thousand years. I know that's that's something that's been highly debated. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about this Messiah 2030, and uh, I believe that a lot of great information was presented in that, a lot of clear and concise information. Um the only thing I think that's really debatable on that uh, mo that video is, uh, you know, the exact years that Messiah may have been born and crucified, and therefore what year it's actually pointing to in our time now. Nevertheless, I think the basic premise of that video is spot on, that Messiah came and he died at the end of the fourth day, so the end of the 4,000 years, and then you have the prophecies. The most notable is Hosea 6, that um, and if you guys haven't seen this video, by the way, it's it's called Messiah 2030. I'm sure most most of you out there have heard it at this point. Um, but in the Hosea 6 prophecy, I'll just pull it up instead of just talking about it. It says, "Come, let us return unto Yahweh, for He has torn; He will heal us up. He has smitten, and He will bind us up." After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. And what this means is, as we know, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. I believe that the day of the day of Yahweh, also known as the day of the Lord, is a thousand years long. That's why you see so many different descriptions of this one day, and you're like, how can all this happen in one day? It happens over a thousand years. But nevertheless, the point is, um, Messiah came and died on the end of the fourth day. Then began the fifth day, which would be the beginning of the five, the um, uh, year five thousand. Um, or yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You have year five thousand. Then we believe that we're at the end of the six thousand years. So that would be two thousand years from Messiah's death, two days, if you will. So it says after two days he will revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. So what that's looking like is. Uh, two days have passed, and we're getting ready to go into the third day, which would be, in our timeline, would be the beginning of the 7,000 years. Probably a lot easier to look at with visuals. Um, like I said, I, I think the Messiah 2030 has some great um, great truth in it, but exactly when the birth of Messiah was, the death, um, and what exactly is the 2,000-year mark, 
I think is very debatable, but uh, the general premise. And, and the point I'm making here is going back here that the seventh year uh, or the seventh day in creation is that thousand year reign. So it's talking about this rest, this ultimate rest that we see about in Hebrews 6. Um, no, that's not right. Hebrews 4. Yeah. <clears throat> So let us therefore fear lest a promise of being left us of entering into his rest, which I believe is talking about this seventh year or the, the seven thousandth year. Any of you should seem to come short of it for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. <clears throat> but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. You can see how this is kind of pointing to the, the creation. The six days and then the rest. Six thousand years and then the thousand year of rest. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and Elohim did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if, this is Joshua, by the way, for if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remains therefore a Shabbat to the people of Elohim. So anyways, the point is, that <clears throat> it's talking about, I believe this is foreshadowing that uh, that thousand years of peace of shalom where this world is ruled by messiah and the kingdom and his people and i don't know about you but the the prospect of this earth this world this earth being ruled by the the precepts of torah and 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 without partiality and with true judgment and true righteousness I'm, I'm, that's I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that with all my heart. And honestly, this is some of the things that I think about when I'm like, you know, when, when it gets tough and the walk gets hard, and it's like sometimes seeing the goal, sometimes seeing the prize, or, or remembering that there is one, it can help us through these hard times. We shouldn't do we shouldn't do our service to Yah just because of the rewards or just because of fear of the lake of the fire, but because we love Him. But at the end of the day. He tells us these rewards, you know, I, I believe in, 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 in time, for times of encouragement or need of uh, encouragement when, when this just walk just gets hard, because it does. But nevertheless, uh, this is what we have to look forward to, that seventh day, that 7,000 year, that release. But anyways, so the land got a rest, and we'll keep going, Leviticus 25.5, That which grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall reap. Neither gather the grapes of your vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Shabbat of the land shall be food for you, for you and for your servant and for your maid and for your hired servant and for your stranger that sojourns with you and for your cattle and for the beasts that are in your land shall all the increase thereof be feet, meat or food. So this is like... This is like a an old. This is this back then. This was a an amazing test of faith because basically we're used to um, plowing, sowing. It, it grows. You reap. You eat in the cycle, and so 
you know, it's like this is a, a really big test of faith that you just, you know, take an entire year off. You're like, how are we going to eat? Right? So he's telling you, and it'll continue to a little bit later in this chapter. It'll actually also in 26, it'll show us that if we keep his ways, there is going to be, there's always going to be grain all the way, you know, from this harvest to this harvest or from this harvest to, to the vintage. And you'll, you, he's saying, he promises you, us that we will be taken care of if we walk in his ways. There's a, um, I was, I'll, there's a family uh, locally in our area here that, um, I love very much and got to know them a little bit and um, the, very inspiring. They actually have been walking this out um, and they have actually seen this work in their lives. And what I, what I mean by this is giving the seventh year of the land rest and they've been able to maintain the, the their homestead or they really have a farm. They have a full-fledged farm. And they've been able to make this work because some people say because all, all this is preceded with when you come into the land. And so some people are like that. Ah, see, we're not in the land. We don't we don't have to, to do that. And maybe the maybe have to maybe maybe that's correct. Maybe you don't have to do it. But I think there's a growing group of people. It's like I get to do this. I get to trust in Yah to take care of all of our needs. Right. So. I wanted to have an interview with him before this tour portion. We didn't get around to it. That's it's on me. Uh, but I did speak with them, and they are um, willing for me to share their email. Uh, if anybody wants, anybody, anybody out there has uh, like a homestead and like you know they want to get you know how did you do this? How did it work? What did it look like? Um, there's a family that I know of and I trust um, to give good counsel and wisdom and guidance for someone who's looking to do this. I think they've also done a pretty good job at looking into which year is the proper seventh year, those type of things. Because some people, uh, when they get to a new homestead, they're like, you know, they kind of set their own seven-year cycle. I do think that there is probably a, a, a pattern, a heavenly pattern that, that uh, determines this. But anyways, um, great family. If you're interested in hearing their testimony, um, I would I'd be happy to share their information for if you so just reach out to me send me an email like hey would like to uh, um, I'd like to get in touch with the family that does the seventh year rest of the land and Yaz bless them uh, for it so anyways just want to share that it does work out there but anyways at, at the end of the day this is this part right here is just about trust so, so even for some of us that don't have gardens or um, we don't live off the land. Most of us probably listening to this don't. So it's like, okay, well, what, is, what does this mean for us? I think the general precept we're learning here is trust, trusting in him. And I just want to share some scriptures of um, the importance of it. So let's look at uh, Leviticus 26, 32 through 35. Obviously, we're going to read this in just a bit. And it says, And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths, as long as it lies desolate, and you be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when he dwelt upon it. So unfortunately, he knew that they weren't going to be doing this, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't be trusting him. And so he's like, I'm going I'm to give the land its rest since you didn't do it. 
Second Chronicles 36, 14 through 21. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of Yahweh, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And Yahweh Elohim of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of Elohim and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of Yahuwah arose against his people till there, was, till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man, or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of Elohim, great and small, and the treasures of the house of Yahuwah, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of Elohim, and brake down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. To fulfill the word of Yahuwah by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. So if someone did the math, that meant they didn't keep this for hundreds of years. They just didn't do it. But, but back on the principle. So this is just showing you what happens to people that don't trust him and um, <clears throat> don't take his word for what it says. Job, uh, Job 13, 15 says, Though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. And I love this. And um, Ashira, uh, I introduced you to her last week, um, did an amazing song uh, with basically this lyric. So this is this is like even the extreme. Even if Yah were to just kill me, I'll still trust in him. Even if so, and and that and that would obviously include everything in between. So even if everything, 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 and anything could happen, I'm still gonna trust in him. And I think that's just the test of life. That's the test. That's the proving. That's the trial of your faith. It's easy to trust him when everything is going great. But can you trust him when everything is going wrong? And I think that's where that's where that that the increase in our the the growth in our walk comes through these trials and adversities. And it's good for us. Psalm 2.12, Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So, interesting though, uh, my wife showed me this the other day. This, uh, this word here, blessed, is actually not the same word as baruch. It says, it's more like happy. This is asher, it's basically Asher, that's the same word is uh, used for um, the son of Jacob, Asher, blessed. So happiness. So it's like happy. Or where were we? Happy are all they that put their trust in him. And that's really the truth. This actually really explains it a little better. Like we understand what it means to be blessed. We also understand what it means to be happy. It's like I've been talking about the fruit of the spirit lately. And I, I believe that is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, that is evidence of the Spirit, the fruit of it, if you will, that in the midst of trials, you can still have happiness. You can still have, we'll, we'll call it joy, peace, patience. So a lot of people can carry these characteristics at any time in their life. But really, if we're able to keep them during 
trial, during tribulation, I think that's the ultimate test. But at the end of the day, happy are they that put their trust in him. And that's what really the spiritual significance of what we're reading here about the Sabbath year is this was a, tr a, a test. And again, not all of us have lands and, and farms and all those kind of things. But what, what is the overall theme that we're learning here is trust. And can your trust be increased in him? Is, is there... Is there more to give? Is there more trust to give? Psalm 511, let all those that put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let them also that love your name be joyful in you. And really, that's, at the end of the day, that's, that's how this works, is that when you know that he is our creator and that in six days he created everything, and rested and sent his son that we may have forgiveness and gave us the Torah. When we trust him and recognize that he is true and he is just, that literally everything in your life could crumble. But if you have a found firm foundation on him, you're going to be okay. And I think just continuing to learn to trust in him, our faith is just going to increase ever more. Psalm 37, actually... Um, we're not going to skip that one. Isaiah 26, 1 through 4. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will Elohim appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the person that trusts in Yah, one of the fruits of that is our mind is stayed on him. So especially in the midst of calamity or uh, hardships or whatever, your, our mind is on him like, Father, just, I'm, I'm leaning on you on this. And there's just a peace that comes with it. There's a shalom that comes with knowing that. Trust ye in Yahweh forever. For Yahuwah is, everla is everlasting strength. Nahum 1.7, Yahuwah is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. So you can say you trust in him, but he knows if you actually do or not, or just giving lip service, which we know he does not like. Couple, I want to read a couple verses in Sirach 2. My son, by the way, in case you're new, Sirach is also known as Ecclesiasticus. Uh, it was included in the 1611 KJV in the Apocrypha section and also in this Greek Septuagint and many other Bibles. This was considered scripture for a long time. A long time. My son, if you come forward to serve Yahweh, prepare yourself for temptation. Or this can be, word can be translated as trial or tribulation or testing. So literally, if you come, if you're like, I want to serve Yahweh, prepare yourself. Set your heart right and be steadfast, and do not be hasty in time of calamity. The only person, the only the, the kind of people that would do this are people that don't trust in him. Cleave to him and do not depart, that you may be honored at the end of your life. Here's the verse right here. Accept whatever is brought upon you, and in changes that humble you, be patient. That's a sign of trusting him. For gold is tested in the fire. And acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation. Trust in him and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. You who fear Yahuwah, wait for his mercy and turn not aside, lest you fall. You who fear Yahuwah, trust in him and your reward will not fail. You who fear Yahuwah, hope for good things, for everlasting joy and mercy. 
Consider the ancient generations and see whoever trusted in Yahuwah and was put to shame, or whoever persevered in the fear of Yahuwah and was forsaken, or whoever called upon him and was overlooked. For Yahuwah is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in time of affliction. Woe to timid hearts and slack hands, and to the sinner who walks along two ways. Woe to the faint heart, for it has no trust. So that's like the... Oh, he's not, he doesn't care, you know. Oh, when's this going to end? Uh, whatever. I, I'm just, I'm being over-exaggerating, of course. But really, you know, how many of us have been at those times where we're just like, he's not, he's not, he's not listening to my prayers. I don't understand. And, you know, and, and patience, patience goes hand in hand with trust. And sometimes I'll be a witness here. Sometimes it gets right down to the wire and you're like, I'm trusting in you. And then just boom, every time. When you trust in him, he delivers. There, so woe to the faint heart. The faint heart is the person who's like, he basically gives up. Or is like, I want to give up. Or I, I can't do this. Or it's too hard. Or woe to the faint heart. It has no trust. Therefore, it will not be sheltered. Woe to you who have lost your endurance. What will you do when Yahweh punishes you? Those who fear Yahweh or a.k.a. trust him, will not disobey his words. And those who love him will keep his ways. Those who fear Yahuwah, can I even say trust Yahuwah, will seek his approval. And those who love him will be filled with the law. That's right. Filled with the law. Let's say it one more time. Let's just say Torah. Filled with the Torah. Those who love him will be filled with the Torah. Those who fear Yahuwah will prepare their hearts and will humble themselves before him. Let's read another interesting passage, First Maccabees, chapter two, verses forty-nine through sixty-four. This is like a, this is like a, like a pet, like a, like a, get you going speech. Now the days drew near for Matthias to die, and he said to his sons, "Arrogance and reproach have now become strong. It is a time of ruin and furious anger. Now, my children, show zeal for the Torah, and give your lives for the covenant of our fathers." Remember the deeds of the fathers which they did in their generations and receive great honor and an everlasting name. Everlasting name. Was not Abraham found faithful when tested and it was reckoned to him as righteousness? Joseph in the time of his distress kept the commandment and became master of Egypt. Phineas, our father, because he was deeply zealous, received the covenant of everlasting priesthood. Joshua, because he fulfilled the command, became a judge of Israel. Caleb, because he testified in the assembly, received an inheritance in the land. David, because he was merciful, inherited the throne of the kingdom forever. Elijah, because of his great zeal for the Torah, was taken up into heaven. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael believed and were saved from the flame. Daniel, because of his innocence, was delivered from the mouth of the lions. And so observed from generation to generation that none who put their trust in him will lack strength so listen we may not have fields and all these different things to do this seventh year of release but i tell you one thing that we can do from this precept of the torah is to trust in him do not fear the words of a sinner for his splendor will turn into dung and to worms today he will be exalted but tomorrow he will not be found because he has returned to the dust and his plans will perish i want to just say this i just want to continue to speak to this is like why are yas people afraid of what these ruling elites are saying and 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 the plans that they have to entrap you or to do this to you 
Today he will be exalted, but tomorrow he will not be found because he has returned to the dust and his plans will perish. My children, be courageous and grow strong in the Torah, for by it you will gain honor. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. Trust. Sirach 4, 11. Wisdom exalts her sons and gives help to those who seek her. Whoever loves her loves life, and those who seek her early will be filled with joy. Whoever holds her fast will obtain glory, and Yahweh will bless the place she enters. Those who serve her will minister to the Holy One. Yahweh loves those who love her. He who obeys her will judge the nations, and whoever gives heed to her will dwell secure. If he has faith in her, he will obtain her, and his descendants will remain in possession of her. For at the first, she will walk with him on torturous paths. She will bring fear and cowardice upon him and will torment him by her discipline until she trusts in him. And she will test him with her ordinances. Then she will come straight back to him and gladden him and will reveal her secrets to him. If he goes astray, she will forsake him and hand him over to his ruin. So this is talking about the Ruach. And I know there's, it says her and in the New Testament says him. But regardless, the Ruach... It's like there's the Ruach has to trust us too. So this is like we, tr you know, we, we trust the Father. The Father trusts us. It, it's, uh, it, it goes hand in hand. Luke 16, 10 through 13. He who is faithful in a very little, so in small matters, people who are faithful in small matters is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And so ask yourself, you know, the, 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 the life that you're living right now. Could Yahuwah trust you with the true riches of heaven? Probably has, because the true riches of heaven, from my understanding, is the wisdom and the knowledge of his Torah, of his son. And if you're still here, however many minutes into this, praise Yah. He's been entrusting it. Can you continue to be a trustworthy servant? with his riches and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's who will give you that which is your own no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve elohim and money exodus thirty four twenty one: six days shall you work but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest and i like this one because it's like it's letting you know even, hey, even when it's like you got, it's like I, the diligent worker, I, I, I love diligent workers. Who doesn't, right? But you know that worker because it's like, they're like, they're like, ah, oh, I just, you know, I want, I want to get it done. And, and I mean, there's a temptation for that diligent worker to be like, if I could only just, you know, if I could only just do that, you know, extra plowing on Shabbat, it'll be, everything will be ready a lot sooner and we can, you know, we're behind and we got to get this done or, or, you know, it's harvest time. We got to get all this stuff. And he's like, chill. Don't do it on Shabbat. Don't. Just don't do it. So trust, trust me. He's like, trust me. Testament of Joseph. I want to read a little bit. This is trusting in Yah. The copy of the Testament of Joseph. When he was about to die, he called his sons and his brethren together and said to them, My brethren and my children, hearken to Joseph, the beloved of Israel. Give ear, my sons, unto your father. I have seen in my life envy and death, yet I went not astray. 
but persevered in the truth of Yahuwah. These my brethren hated me, but Yahuwah loved me. They wished to slay me, but the Elohim of my fathers guarded me. They let me down into a pit, and the Most High brought me up again. I was sold into slavery, and Yahuwah of all made me free. I was taken into captivity, and his strong hands secured me. I was beset with hunger, and Yahuwah himself nourished me. I was alone, and Elohim comforted me. I was sick, and Yahuwah visited me. I was in prison, and my Elohim showed favor unto me. In bonds, and he released me. Slandered, and he pleaded my cause. Bitterly spoken against by the Egyptians, and he delivered me. Envied by my fellow slaves, and he exalted me. And this chief captain of Pharaoh entrusted to me his house. And I struggled against a shameless woman, urging me to transgress with her. But the Elohim of Israel, my father, delivered me from the burning flame. I was cast into prison, I was beaten, I was mocked. But Yahweh granted to me granted me to find mercy in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Listen to this. For Yahuwah does not forsake them that fear him, neither in darkness, nor in bonds, nor in tribulations, nor in necessities. For Elohim is not put to shame as a man, nor as the son of man is he afraid, nor as one that is earthborn is he weak or affrighted. But in all those things he does he give protection, and in diverse ways he does comfort. Though for a little space he departs to try the inclination of the soul. I, I really appreciate this passage because... Some of you out there, I'm, I'm sure there's been some times where it's like, like I said earlier, oh, he's not, you know, he's, you know, but my, my prayers aren't being answered. You know, what's going on? Though for a little space, he departs to, to try the inclination of the soul. He's like, so where are you going to go with this? Is your faith going to crumble or are you going to still trust in me? In 10 temptations or trials, he showed me approved and in all of them I endured for endurance is a mighty charm. And patience gives many good things. So patience and trust works hand in hand. Love for Yah, trust in Him, patience in Him responding. It goes together. These are some of the things that we need to work on. One other thing that I, I think about is we trust Him with clean eating. Think about it. When when we when we decline eating pork or shellfish at this point to a lot of us it's like ew anyways i don't want that but like back in the day when we didn't understand uh you know bacon sausage and whatever else you know but he, reading his his laws and recognizing that they're still intact and there's still that he didn't just have empty words uh, of vanity when he said hey don't eat the pig don't eat uh, things in the waters that doesn't have fin fins and scales. Uh, we're trusting him. And there's just a little, little cool passage I wanted to read from uh, 4th Maccabees, chapter 1, uh, verse 31. And it's going to use the word temperance. Temperance, uh, we, we understand a little better today, is self-control. And one of the ways we can exercise our trust in Yahuwah is our self-control for food. Uh, specifically unclean foods. So now temperance or self-control consists of a command over the lusts. But of the lusts, some belong to the soul, others to the body. And over each of these classes, the reasoning appears to bear sway. For whence it is otherwise that when urged on to forbidden meat, so when people are like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, just, you know, just have some bacon with your burger. What are you, what are you thinking? We reject the gratification which would ensue from them. Is it not because reasoning is able to command the appetites? I believe so. 
Hence it is then that when lusting after water animals and birds and four-footed beasts and all kinds of foods which are forbidden us by the law, the Torah, we withhold ourselves through the mastery of reasoning. For the affections of our appetites are resisted by the tempered or self-controlled understanding and bent back again and all the impulses of the body are reined in by reasoning. Just another way, again, we can just show our trust for him. It's like, hey, he says bacon, pork bacon is, is a no-go, sausage is a, is a no-go, then it's a no-go. I trust you. I trust that I won't miss those things ever again. And guess what? You can teach me about beef bacon, which some of you have emailed me about it. It's, from what I understand mostly, it's like a certain brisket cut, and then you cook it a certain way, and then you slice it, and it's it's really yummy. I think it's better than pork bacon, but... All right. Um, the point is, we're going back to Leviticus 25. It says, verse 6, And the Shabbat of the land shall be food for you, for you and for your servant and for your maid and for your hired servant and for your stranger that sojourns you. How much more in the greater sense of life and the great conflict that's before us, which is good versus evil, light versus darkness, is that when we choose to trust in him, it is meat for us. It's our, to our benefit. It's to our satisfaction. It's for eternal life. It's a miracle. So that's the year of release, known as the Shemitah year. And so again, those on the on the very literal side, those of you that do have homesteads and gardens and those kind of things, uh, again, if you want to reach out to this family that has this amazing testimony, uh, just reach out to me and I'll give you their information. Let's keep going. Leviticus 25.8 <clears throat> And you shall number seven Sabbaths of years unto you. Seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto you forty and nine years. Then you shall cause the shofar of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in Yom Kippurim, which is the Day of Atonement. You shall make the shofar sound throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year. And proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Praise Yah. So, long story short, we're going to see this in prophecy. There's going to be a big trumpet blown, and then there's a release and a freedom. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap that which grows of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of your vine undressed. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you. Ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee, ye shall return every man unto his possession. That's some, that's some key stuff right there for some prophecy. And what we're going to find out is that Messiah came to free people on a jubilee year, as it seems to be recorded in Isaiah 61, and then later read in Luke 4 and said, this scripture is fulfilled before your very eyes. Uh, and I believe that Messiah will be returning possibly on a jubilee year. I think it just makes sense. It, it doesn't have to work out that way, but it just kind of makes sense because that's the whole concept of this. Um, people's debts are wiped out. Um and, and yeah, people's debts. So people's debts are wiped out. People return back to their properties if they had to sell it uh, because of, uh, they were poor. Uh, so think about that. See, someone who was in, in just straight poverty, uh, they had to sell their their property to just you know have some money to survive. 
but when the jubilee hits boom it's restored back to them like like nothing ever happened it's absolutely amazing and if you sell anything unto your neighbor or buy anything of your neighbor's hand you shall not oppress one of another according to the number of the years after the jubilee you shall buy of your neighbor and according unto the number of years of the fruits he shall sell unto you According to the multitude of years, you shall increase the price thereof, and according to the fewness of years, you shall diminish the price of it. For according to the number of the years of the fruits, he sells unto you. So essentially, uh, this is talking about land. So uh, this is talking about when you sell the land, however much time is left until the next jubilee is how much it's worth. So if you're 40 years in and there's only 10 years left until the next jubilee that land is going to sell for less than a land that's like let's say you're only five years in and there's another 45 years until the jubilee the price of that property is worth more than the one that's uh that's uh if you were closer to the jubilee uh, happening again if that makes sense you shall not therefore oppress one another but you shall fear your elohim for i am yahweh Wherefore, you shall do my statutes and guard my judgments and do them, and ye shall dwell in the land in safety. And the land shall yield her fruit, and ye shall eat your fill and dwell therein safely. So he's basically he's like, it's like, he's like, if you keep my ways, you're going to be safe. Nothing's going to harm you. And if you shall say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow nor gather our increase. So that's like, oh, what are we going to do? Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. And ye shall sow in the eighth year, and yet and eat yet of the old fruit until the ninth year. Until our fruits come in, ye shall eat of the old store. So I want to pause there real quickly, and I want to share some of the um, prophetic here. So Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, we know that Messiah stood up and read this, and he fulfilled it. So we know this is talking about him. The Spirit of Yahweh Elohim is upon me, because Yahweh has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Elohim. So it's interesting, um, Messiah actually stopped right here, and his two comings are in this one verse, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh. He stopped reading. And then the second part of that verse, and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn. So all this right here, this is all uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives. All this stuff here, this is all jubilee talk. And so if his first coming was jubilee, was a jubilee, and we see here even in the same sentence, we've got the two comings. The first one here and the second one here. At least just how I understand it. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Yahuwah, that he might be glorified. Those are your Psalm 1 trees, you know, the ones that meditate in his Torah day and night. So I put a challenge out there for you all to memorize Psalm 1. I think it's really important to have that in us, in our hearts, in our minds, and know it, and to teach it diligently into our children. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah, and in his Torah does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the sinners 
shall perish. Now listen, uh, we've got a we've got a uh, seven we got two seven year old boys here in our congregation that have memorized it. So the challenge out to you out to you well I'd say I've said it before. There's no mention of the adults of Israel. So you children of Israel of all ages, um, I think Psalm one is is good to have to good to have on the tip of your mouth at any time. For for your children's sake, for your sake, for those around you that you're witnessing to, Psalm one is so important. But anyways, the point is, get back, get back to the point here. Um, first coming, it appears to be a jubilee, and I would think it would just make sense that the second coming would would come with a jubilee. At least the announcement of it. And again, remember, it says, hmm, where is it at? So, on the year of jubilee. You should call, cause the shofar of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the 7th month, right? And then the Jubilee is announced, and you shall return every man to his possession. Aren't we waiting for our eternal possession? Just a question. I think we are. Deuteronomy 31 through 10. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh Elohim has driven you, and shall return unto Yahweh your Elohim, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that then Yahweh your Elohim will turn your captivity and have compassion on you and will return and gather you from all the nations where Yahweh your Elohim has scattered you. And this is kind of where we're at right now, is that we are still scattered, but we're coming back to him, us and our children, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And you see that, you and your children, that's the prerequisite. So we've got to get our children going here, brothers and sisters. If any of yours be driven out to the outmost parts of heaven, from there will Yahweh your Elohim gather you, and from there will he fetch you. And Yahweh your Elohim will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. This is the promise. We're waiting for this possession. And Yahweh your Elohim will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed to love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And Yahweh your Elohim will put all these curses upon your enemies and them that hate you, which persecuted you. And this shall, I'm sorry, and you shall return and obey the voice of Yahweh and do all his commandments, which I command you this day. And Yahweh your Elohim will make you plenteous in every work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your land for good. For Yahuwah will again rejoice over you for good, as you rejoiced of your fathers, if you shall hearken unto the voice of Yahweh Elohim. And here's going to define that. To keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the Torah. And if you will turn unto Yahweh Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, so here in Joshua, Joshua 6, we see something interesting here. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And Yahweh said unto Joshua, See, I have given into your hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall ye do six days. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, which it's the horn of jubilee is what it says here, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, or the horn of jubilee, I'll show it to you in a second. And when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, 
And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Pretty cool stuff. So we get a little picture here. Oops. I, we get a little picture here uh, of the six days, and then the seventh day. And then the seventh day, there's that victory. Mm, so the ram's horn. So it's not ram, it's yobel for yobelim. Jubilee, right? So the Jubilee. This is translated as translated as Jubilee 20, 21 times, ram's horn five and trumpet once. But this is talking about uh, a trumpet, a cornet. Uh, this is the Jubilee. This is the Jubilee horn, which we'll learn about is a sp special uh, silver trumpet. So we see some similar similarities here in the story of Joshua and Jericho. Pretty cool stuff. I think the whole end time starts with this same trumpet that we we that we see here. I, uh, Psalm forty-seven, one through eight. Oh, clap your hands, all you people! Shout unto Elohim with the voice of triumph, for Yahweh Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Listen to this. Elohim is gone up with a shout. This is Teruah. This is what we learned from Yom Teruah from the day of the day of uh, Feast of Trumpets. Elohim is gone up with a shout. Yahuwah with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to Elohim. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises, for Elohim is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Elohim reigns over the heathen. Elohim sits upon the throne of his holiness. It looks like all this starts with this shout, with this trumpet. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Yahusha died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Yahusha will Elohim bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of Yahuwah, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of Yahuwah shall not prevent them which are asleep. For Yahuwah, or the Master himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of Elohim and the dead and Messiah shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yahuwah in the air and so shall we ever be with Yahuwah. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And it's interesting that um, we see we saw the uh, the verbiage up here uh, or where was it? It was in um, <clears throat> Isaiah 61 that the captives went free People will return to their possessions. It's interesting that the souls in Sheol are, well, I guess you can call them captive, even though there's two different areas. You have, of course, the area of torment, and we have the area of, of rest and peace, or in Shalom. Um, nevertheless, they're still waiting for their inheritance, too. So it's like the prison, you know, they're released and restored unto their possession. So just something to think about. Revelation 4, 1 through 2. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was open, or a gate was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. I believe this is what how the end time starts. And I believe John was given uh, a preview of what that day looked like, started with a trumpet, and he was taken in the Spirit immediately. Joel 2, 1 through, uh, well, I'm not sure to read the whole thing, but it says, Blow ye the, show, the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, 
for the day of Yahweh comes, for it is nigh at hand. And it all starts with that trumpet blow. Uh, Isaiah 27, 12 through 13. There shall come to pass in that day that Yahuwah shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcast in the land of Egypt, and shall worship Yahuwah in the holy mount at Jerusalem. So is this the trumpet of the Jubilee? It's very, very possible. Very possible. So, the year of Jubilee. Man, I hope I hope it's soon. I really do. I hope this this year of release and this re restoration to property possession is nigh at hand. There's a lot of speculation as to exactly what that year is. I'll just be straightforward with you. I have not put uh, enough time into that to um, speak anywhere intelligently on what I believe is the year, the correct year of Jubilee. Um, so that's for another time. But I want to, I want to, I want to confirm that Messiah Himself is our Jubilee in the spiritual. I think physically we're still waiting for that day, but in the spiritual realm, Messiah is our Jubilee. Does that make sense? So when his first coming and, and his his ministry, his death, burial, resurrection, and the sending of the Spirit, I believe that was the spiritual fulfillment of him giving us. He's our relief. He's our release. Relief and release. John eight twenty five. Then said they unto him, Who are you? And Yahushua said to them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have made many things, I'm sorry, I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Yahushua to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as of my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Yahushua to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's that freedom. That's that release that we have. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? Yahushua answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Now listen, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And what a blessing that is to have our sins to be forgiven, our guilts, our burdens to be taken. And he's taken those for us. And the son has made us free indeed. Hallelujah. First Peter two fifteen through 16. For so it is the will of Elohim that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your freedom or liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of Elohim. And we know that the Torah itself is freedom. Psalm 119, 44 through 45. So shall I keep your law, your Torah, continually forever, forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, at freedom, for I seek your precepts. That is the freedom. That is the release. This is the rest. That's actually, that's a passage I want to look at. 
I think it's an Isaiah somewhere. Mm, maybe I'm wrong. Yes. I just thought of this passage as we were reading this. So he says, so here in uh, Isaiah 28, verse 9, he's asking a question. Whom shall he teach knowledge? So who is he going to teach knowledge to? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Now he's going to answer. Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. They're not babes. They're growing up. These are, these are people that want to grow and continue to learn and not just stay at the basics that we're, that our sins are saved or, or, or we've been saved and our sins have been forgiven by Messiah. And that's it. That's where a lot of believers stay. But he's talking about here. Here are the people I'm going to teach, people who are moving past the basics. Not that we don't ever forget where we came from and what Messiah has given us, but we walk that path. We follow him and keep the commandments of the, uh, of the Most High with diligence because we love him, because it's the right thing to do. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. They wouldn't hear the words of his Torah. And so he's, Messiah rightly says, The truth shall make you free. The Torah shall make you free. I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Psalm 19, 7-11, The Torah of Yahuwah is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahuwah is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of Yahuwah are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahuwah is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahuwah is clean, enduring forever. The judgments or right rulings of Yahuwah are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So we can see it here. It's not bad to recognize that there is also a reward for doing the right thing. James 1.25 But whoever looks into the perfect law or Torah of freedom, liberty, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Praise Yah. These are words of life, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, I want to read a passage from the Apocalypse of Abraham. There will be a link for this book if you want to read it. It's in the, going to be in the study notes. The study notes is a little Word document where I've just got my um, little notes for, for going along with this. And uh, you'll see there will be a link for the Apocalypse of Abraham if you want to reread what we're going through. This is an amazing book, and I believe it's a scripture. And I said, Eternal Mighty One, how long a time is an hour of the age? This is Abraham asking the, the angel. It can be debated who this angel is, but that's for another point. And he said, I decree to keep 12 periods of the impious age among the heathens and among your seed, and what you have seen will be until the end of time. Count it up, and you will understand. Look down at the picture. And I looked and saw a man going out from the left, the heathen side. From the side of the heathen went out men and women and children in a great crowd, and they worshipped him. And while I was still looking, those on the right side came out, and some insulted this man, and some struck him, and others worshipped him. You know who this is talking about, of course. This is talking about Messiah. And I saw that as they worshipped him, Azazel ran and worshipped, and kissing his face, he turned and stood behind him. Did you Do you know what scene this is right here? 
I'll let you all answer it at home. Okay. Yes, this is this is Judas. I believe this is when it said Satan entered into Judas. And I, I do believe that Azazel is one of the many names of Satan. The Satan. There's many Satans, but this is, this is like the Satan. And so he saw, and I saw that as they worshipped him, Azazel ran and worshipped and kissed his face. And he stirred, stood and turned behind him. He said, Master! And I said, Eternal Mighty One, who is this man insulted and beaten by the heathen with Azazel worshipped? And he answered and said, Here, Abraham, the man whom you say insulted and beaten again worshipped is the liberation. Do you know the word liberation? Freedom. He is the freedom from the heathen for the people who will be born from you. In the last days, in this twelfth period of the age of my fulfillment, I will set up this man from your tribe, the one whom you have seen from my people, and will imitate him. You consider him as one called by me. They are changed in their counsels. And those you saw coming out from the left side of the picture and worshiping him, this means that many of the heathen will trust in him. And those of your seed you saw on the right side, some insulting him, some beating him, and others worshiping him, many of them shall be offended because of him. It is he who will test those of your seed who have worshipped him in the fulfillment of the twelfth hour of the curtailing of the age of impiety. Before the age of justice starts to grow, my judgment will come upon the heathen who have acted wickedly through the people of your seed who have been set apart for me. In those days I will bring upon all earthly creation ten plagues through evil and disease and the groaning of the bitterness of their souls. Such will I bring up... Uh, I'm sorry, will I bring upon the generations of those who are on it out of anger and corruption out of their creations with which they provoke me. And then from your seed will be left the righteous men in their number, protected by me, who strive in the glory of my name toward the place prepared beforehand. By the way, I think this is uh, an early, early look at the 144,000, which um, it, it, I know some of you are probably very new here. Um, if you look up, uh, if you want to understand our understanding of, understand our understanding of the 144,000 we did a video a couple of years ago you can just type in 144,000 parable of the vineyard and and, and uh, you'll see a it's a like a a blue background with wings on it anyways long story short i believe that people that yas people whether they're natural um branches or whether they're um they came uh, as a Gentile but got grafted in. Either way, I believe that people in the end times who are alive and are keeping his ways are part of this 144,000. And so it says here, uh, And then from your seed will be left the righteous men in their number, protected by me who strive in the glory of my name toward the place prepared beforehand for them which you saw deserted in the picture. And they will live being affirmed by the sacrifices and the gifts of justice and truth in the age of justice. And they will rejoice forever in me and they will destroy those who have destroyed them. They will rebuke those who have rebuked them and through their mockery and will spit in their faces. Those rebuked by me when they are to see me rejoicing with my people for those who rejoice and receive and truly return to me see abraham what you have seen hear what you have heard know what you have known go to your inheritance and behold i am with you forever um there's also some things here now another another version of this it says before the age of the righteous begins there was different different um uh, manuscripts this is a different one here before the age of the righteous begins to grow my judgment shall come upon the lawless peoples 
through the people of your seed who have been separated unto me. So this just shows you at the end, it's going to be like a role reversal. You ask people who are accounted as nothing, spit upon, mocked, uh, treated as insolent or ridiculous for keeping the Torah. They're going to be the head. And in those days, I will bring upon all creatures of the earth ten plagues through misfortune and disease and the sighing of their grief, and this shall be brought upon the generations of men on account of the provocation and the corruption of mankind whereby they provoke me. And then shall righteous men of your seed survive in the number which is kept secret by me, I think this is talking about the 144,000, and will hasten the coming of the glory of my name to that place prepared beforehand for them, which you saw devastated in the picture. And they shall live and be established by sacrifices of righteousness in the age of the righteous, and they shall rejoice in me continually and receive those who return to me in repentance. For great shall be the inner torment of those who have despitefully used them in this world as they observe the honor placed upon my own in the day of glory. Man, I don't know about you all, but I want to be on that side of things. Wow. So here in this version it says, he answered and said, Here, Abraham, the man you saw insulted and beaten and yet worshipped by many, he is the relief. He's the relief. So Messiah is the jubilee. He's the release. He is the relief. He is the restoration, which is really what the jubilee uh, was all about. So praise be to Yah. So and and uh, back to Leviticus twenty five twenty. If he shall say, What shall we eat in the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. We know that Messiah has some even greater words on this specifically. It says, <clears throat> this is Matthew six twenty five. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if Elohim so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What are we to eat? Or... What are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the key behind all of it. Seek first his kingdom and his his righteousness not our own righteousness but his righteousness and what how does he define righteousness uh, <clears throat> let's let's read it deuteronomy 625 and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments but for Yahuwah our Elohim as he has commanded us. When I said not our righteousness, what I'm saying, what I meant to say is is somewhere in, I forgot the address in one of Paul's letters, 
uh, that like the Pharisees, Sadducees, they sought after their own righteousness and not after the righteousness of Elohim, which is of the Torah. First John 3, 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does, this obviously denotes action. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So what you worrying about? What you worrying about? Let's go back to Leviticus 25. Verse 23, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. So it's like even to those of you who are property owners, is it really your land or is it Yah's land? Okay, it's Yah's land. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. We're just strangers on this earth. Our eternal possession is within the walls of New Jerusalem. That is, of course, if we be found worthy. And I want to be found worthy. And that's why I love continuing to, um, to go through these studies together and uh, praise Yah will continue to be refined by his word and Yah willing will be found ready at his return. And in all the land of your possessions, you shall grant a redemption for the land. If your brother will be waxen poor and has sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale thereof and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. But if he be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that has bought it until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee it shall go out, and he shall return unto his possession. And if a man sell a dwelling house in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year he may redeem it. And if it be not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city shall be established forever to him that bought it throughout his generations. It shall not go out in the Jubilee. But the houses of the villages which have no wall round about them shall be counted as the fields of the country. They may be redeemed and they shall go out in the Jubilee. See, just more, more good reason to get out of the big cities and get into the country. Just a joke, but... Notwithstanding the cities of the Levine, the Levites, and of the houses of the cities of their possession, may the Levites redeem at any time. And if a man purchase of the Levites, then the house that was sold and the city of his possession shall go out in the year of Jubilee. For the houses of the cities of the Levites are their possession among the children of Israel. But the field of the suburbs of their cities may not be sold, for it is their perpetual possession. And if your brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with you, then you shall relieve him. We, we talked about this precept the last couple uh, Torah portions. Very important. Yes, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with you. Take no usury of him or increase, but fear your Elohim that your brother may live with you. You shall not give him your money upon usury, nor lend him your victuals for increase. So this is talking about no... Um, <clears throat> No, uh, no interest. If you're going to loan some money, just loan it. If you loan out 500 bucks, only expect 500 back. Or if you want to go above, above and beyond, you can just gift it. I am Yahweh Lahaikim, which brought you forth out of the land of Mitzrayim to give you the land of Canaan and to be your Elohim. And if your brother that dwells with by you be waxen poor and be sold unto you, you shall not compel him to serve as a bondservant. But as a hired servant and as a sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you unto the year of Jubilee. And then shall he depart from you, both he and his children with him, and shall return unto his own family, and unto the possession of his fathers shall he return. 
for they are my servants, which I have brought forth out of the land of Mitzrayim. They shall not be sold as bondmen. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but shall fear your Elohim. This word rigor is the same word used when the Israelites were, uh, were in hard bondage in Egypt and had to work hard. They, they drove them hard. So he's like, you say, you shall not rule over him with rigor, but shall fear your Elohim. Both your bondmen and your bondmaids, which you shall have, shall be of the heathen that are round about you. Of them shall you buy bondmen and bondmaids. Moreover, the children of the strangers that do sojourn among you, of them shall you buy. And of their families that are with you, which they begat in your land, and they shall be your possession. And you shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you, to inherit them for a possession. They shall be your bondmen forever. But over your brethren, the children of Yashrael, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. And kind of, I think, another foreshadow of what's to come. We also, going back to Isaiah 61, where we saw the Jubilee mentioned here, we also see something a little it's, uh, interesting here. And it says here, And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of Yahuwah. Men shall call you the ministers of our Elohim. You shall eat the riches of the nations, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. So, anyways, um, there's more, but I just wanted to share that. You're seeing a little foreshadow of that in the millennial reign. Leviticus 25:47. And if a sojourner or stranger wax rich by you, and your brother that dwells by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by you, or to the stock of the stranger's family, after that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him, either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him of his family may, re may redeem him, or if he is able, he may redeem himself. And he shall reckon with him that bought him from the year that he was sold to him unto the year Jubilee. And the price of his sale shall be according unto the number of years, according to the time of a hired servant shall it be with him. If there be yet many years behind him, according unto them, he shall give again the price of his redemption out of the money that he was bought for. And if there remain but few years unto the year of Jubilee, then he shall count with him, and according unto his years, he shall give him again the price of his redemption. And as a yearly hired servant shall he be with him, and the other shall not rule with rigor over him in your sight. And if he be not redeemed in these years, then he shall go out in the year of Jubilee, both he and his children with him. For unto me the children of Yashrael are servants, they are my servants, whom I have brought forth out of the land of Mitzrayim. I am Yahuwah Elohim. There was one verse I wanted to just touch on real quickly. Um, just, you know, the whole concept of the release, the, the forgiving of debts, those kind of things, you know, it's really prevents kind of the... the prevents kind of where we're at now in a societal structure what i mean by that is like the mega corporations the the mega companies uh this massive debt um the slavery system that they have in place you know because every every seven years every 50th year when you're releasing these debts um things are being restored back to their original uh, in um, the original families you wouldn't be able to have these just snowball effect type you wouldn't have the walmart effect how about that then maybe that makes it a little easy for you the, or me easier for me to, to say leviticus 21 let's just say this it's it it creates a, a, a more a fairer game game is the wrong word too but just so you know what i'm talking about 
I just don't choose my words right quickly sometimes. I apologize. All right, Leviticus 26. You shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am Yahweh Haikam. You shall guard my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. If you walk in my statutes and guard my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your, this is what I was talking about earlier. They'll always have enough food. Your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. So it's like he's saying if you, if you walk in my statutes, if you guard my ways, there's always going to be an overplus of food. You'll never be without. And, um, and, and, and I want to just mention this. If, then. So action, reaction. If you do this action, then Yah's like, I will have this action with you. And we see that we see that actually carry on in the New Testament. Colossians 1, 20-23, And having made shalom through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof i paul am made a minister so we have to so it's just so it's same thing spirit and truth they both require you know on the truth side the faith it requires you to continue in the faith the truth side, it requires you to, to walk in his statutes. If you do this, then I will do this for you. A couple of things I want to mention. <clears throat> Last week we mentioned in uh, Leviticus twenty three fourteen, And he shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you have brought an offering unto your Elohim. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Um, I just started hearing about this this year, so I don't know if it's a new teaching or not. Um, but some people are saying that that this would contradict first fruits being within the week of unleavened bread, which is how we how we understand it today. Because I, I also believe that a lot of us understand that Messiah resurrected on first fruits. They resurrected from the dead on first fruits, and he was the first fruits, right? And so <clears throat> because it's saying here you can't eat bread until you bring the first fruits offering. So people are saying, okay, well, we, since we're commanded to eat unleavened bread during the week of unleavened bread, how can first fruits be in here in the week of unleavened bread? So some people are putting first fruits outside of unleavened bread, which wouldn't work for Messiah's resurrection um, on the first first fruits. But anyways, they're saying because of this verse here, you can't eat bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the self same day you have brought an offering. So basically, you can't eat until you can't eat bread until you bring the first fruit offering so people are saying you have to go you know a certain amount of days time without eating bread which really doesn't make sense because back in those days a, a large portion of people literally it's called daily bread they literally just lived off of bread and if people couldn't eat bread for periods of time i mean it just doesn't work but the point i'm trying to make here or i'd like to make here is if the the, the this, here's the deal if they walked in their statutes and it says here 
Your threshing shall reach into the vintage. The vintage shall reach unto sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. The point is, uh, what I'm trying to make here is they would always have enough grain from last year. So they, the grain that they're eating during unleavened bread and during first fruits is the old grain. I believe this is saying you can't eat of the new grain for that current year's harvest until you've given the first fruit offering. And also, uh, that that allows first fruits to still be within the uh, week of unleavened bread, and there's no gap in eating bread. Period. So, just want to share that. It might have that might have been confusing. That's a quick overview for some of you that may have heard this and been like, "What? What is? What are you talking about?" So, point the point I'm trying to make is they would have had grain left over from last year's harvest to eat through unleavened bread and, all, and, and whatnot and wouldn't eat of the new store until the first fruits was offered. And again, your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land's safety. Leviticus 26, 6, And I will give peace in the land lying down with nothing to fear, and the Shabbat of life. Though evil be a part of the land, there is no sword to bring in the land. So he's basically saying, you don't even have to fear your enemies when you walk in my ways. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat of the old store... And bring forth the old because the new. So this is another verse that's sharing with you that there's going to be enough left over. Um, did I have another verse here? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, that's what I was going to read. You shall eat of the old store. This is, so this is last year's harvest or even the year before, whatever. You'll eat of last year's harvest. And you'll have to bring out last year's harvest out of the granaries because of all the new that's coming in. That's his promise. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and will be your Elohim, and you shall be my people. I am Yahweh Lahaikim, which brought you forth out of the land of Mitzrayim, that you should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. A lot of, a lot of blessing and benefit and shalom and joy when we walk in his ways. And he's like, this is what I'm offering for you. But of course, our ancestors, or whoever whoever those ancestors were thousands of years ago, uh, just didn't do it. And they, of course, they got punished for it. But if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I will also do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, which... This is interesting. If you look this up, it's a wasting disease of the lungs. The burning ague that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursues you. If you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary unto me, and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. 
And if you if you will not be reformed by me of these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. I want to pause here real quickly. Um, there's a pretty interesting little thing, little teaching. Um, it says here in Ezekiel four four through five, lie also upon your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that you shall lie upon it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon you the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So shall you bear the iniquity of the house of Israel, which is really interesting because if their punishment was 390 days, which was 390 years, if you take 390 years times seven times, so seven times punishment, seven times because they continue to be disobedient. So if you take the 390 days, which was 390 years, times that by seven, the time of their uh, exile into captivity, if you take that 390 years times seven actually brings you to year 2009. So technically, uh, if this if this teaching is right, um, the captivity of Israel ended in 2009, and that was 2009 is is actually one of the very first years you saw a big influx of people coming into this movement. There is there's always been a remnant. There's been a remnant of people keeping Sabbath and keeping feast days, and but I'm talking about people coming fully back into the truth. 2009 was one of the first years that a large group of people did that. Then I understand some people came in 2012. There was a big increase of truth in 2015, uh, 2017, fall of 2017, uh, also early 18. Then in 2020 with COVID, and we're starting to see another resurgence. And the reason that for this, I believe, is they actually uh, went into captivity in waves, and it looks like we're coming out of captivity in waves. Kind of cool stuff. Back to Leviticus 26, 25. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you. And ye shall be delivered into the hands of your enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven. And they shall deliver you your bread again by weight. And ye shall eat and not be satisfied. If you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then will I walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your... And by the way, he's not like commanding them. I'm going to make... Like he's like warning them. He just showed... He showed us, hey, listen, if you just walk in my ways, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be safe. You're not having to have to worry about anything. But if you don't, I'm warning you right now. If you don't, this is the things that's going to happen. He knew that they were going to starve so much because the enemy would entrench and and um, lay siege to their cities that they would run out of food. And that's and, and what they ended up doing. And this isn't that like Yah is heartless and he's just a big old meanie. This has nothing to do with it. A good father, a good father in our earthly realm right now doesn't let their children just do whatever they want. But there's consequences, and sometimes the consequences have to be pretty harsh to get hold of, especially if you have a rebellious child. Sometimes that punishment needs to be harsh. the The current day and age we live in, it's like you know, oh, don't you know, don't punish your children, oh, don't put them in time out, don't don't spank them, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and look where we're, look where we're headed. But Yah is like, hey, I you know, ch- chasing your children, and now he's telling us as children, I'm gonna chasten you. This is what's going to happen if you don't walk in his ways. Let's read um, 
Proverbs 12.1. The one who loves discipline loves knowledge, but the one who hates rebuke is stupid. And if you really think about it, if, if we receive discipline cheerfully, we'll recognize that we have faults and that it's time to change. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking only at Yahusha, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of Elohim. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So basically, it's like, look at what Messiah did. Look at him. Look at the patience. He, he endured the, the, the most brutal deaths for us, and he took it patiently. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of Yahuwah, nor faint when you are punished by him. For whom Yahuwah loves, he disciplines, and he punishes every son whom he accepts. It is for discipline that you endure, for Elohim deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for our short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all disciplines seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, so if we're not kicking against it and, and, and rejecting the discipline, if we're, if we're embracing it and be like, okay, I messed up. The di I know I'm being punished, or, or whatever it may be. Or I'm, I'm being refined, or... or if we if we like what you know what's the instead of like why me why is it always me why can't you ever give me a break instead of that father i know i'm going through a trial please show me what the lesson i need to learn here help me to learn it so that i may grow that i may uh, repent or whatever needs to happen therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is impaired may not be dislocated but rather be healed Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see Yahuwah. All right. So, <clears throat> back to Leviticus 26.30. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. My soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries into, de into desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate. And you be in your enemy's land, even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbath when you dwelt upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send the faintness into their hearts and the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursues them. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword, when none pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. 
And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their transgression, which they have transgressed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Yitzchak, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. So this is very important for us here. This is critical, especially if some of you out there are new and have not properly repented. I would love to share the Daniel 9 confession with you. And Daniel recognized what we just read right now. Daniel basically was like, oh yeah, this right here. And so Daniel has an amazing prayer, and I'd like to read it together, but as if we're praying this. So let's let's do this. Let's pray real quick. Father Yah, we just come before you, and as a group, and anyone who's listening to it, whether now or in the future, um, Father, as we read this, we want to read this as a as our own prayer. Would you allow us to read Daniel's prayer and apply it to our lives, and let the words of our mouth speak this into existence, Father, that we recognize that our fathers, our forefathers, have sinned and sinned greatly. And Father, that we're, that you've woken us up and that we want to repent and that we want to acknowledge that we have walked contrary to you and that we we accept the punishments that, that we have or will have to endure for these things. We understand also, Father, by the blood of Messiah that you have forgiven us. We also know there's consequences for actions. Father, we just ask that as we read this prayer from written from your beloved Daniel years ago, uh, that it would apply to us right now. In Yahushua's name, amen. Daniel 9. <clears throat> if you want to read it together with me out loud so that you're speaking these words too, I know you may have a different version. And I set my face unto Yahuwahim to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto Yahuwah my Elohim and made my confession and said, O Yahuwah, the great and dreadful Elohim, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto your servants, the prophets, which spake in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Yahuwah, righteousness belongs unto you, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries where you have driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against you. O Yahuwah, to us belongs confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To Yahuwah, our Elohim, belongs mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of Yahuwah our Elohim to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed your Torah, even by departing that they might not obey his voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moshe, the servant of Elohim, because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven has not been done as has been done upon Jerusalem. 
as it is written in the Torah of Moshe. All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before Yahweh Elohim, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore has Yahweh watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For Yahweh our Elohim is righteous in all his works which he does. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Yahweh our Elohim, that has brought your people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have gotten you renowned, as at this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Yahweh, according to all your righteousness, I beseech you, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our Elohim, Hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that is desolate, for Yahweh's sake. O my Elohim, incline your ear, and hear, open your eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by your name, for we do not present our supplications before you for our righteousness, but for your great mercies. O Yahweh, hear. O Yahweh, forgive. O Yahweh, hearken and do. Defer not for your own sake, O my Elohim, for thy city and thy people are called by your name. And that was the end of the prayer. Praise Yah. Let it be so. There's a, um, if you want to read a story about someone who went to the ends of sin, was one of the most sinful people. The story of Manasseh, Second Chronicles 33. And also for those of you that have maybe the Sefer or access to the prayer uh, of Manasseh. Long story short, one of the worst kings ever. And he was jailed and, and, and held down by heavy chains. And right there, he prayed. In jail, he prayed. And he humbled himself and said, Yahuwah heard him. Yahuwah took him out of prison, back to his land. And he finished out his days, what it looked like to be in righteousness. Um, and again, this is coming from one of the worst kings ever. So it's like we've never gone too far to be able to repent and say, we've done wickedly. Heal us. Forgive us. Give us a heart after your ways. All right, Leviticus twenty six forty three. The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lies desolate without them, and they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despised my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes, and yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them, for I am Yahweh Lahaikam, but I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Mitzrayim in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their Elohim, I am Yahuwah. These are the commandments and judgments and Torah which Yahuwah made between him and the children of Yashrael in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moshe. Now I'm going to read through 27 and we'll be finished up with Leviticus. Got a couple of uh, announcements I want to share at the end, so stick, uh, stick around for that if you got some time. Leviticus 27, And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashrael, and say unto them, When a man shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for Yahuwah by your estimation. And your estimation shall be of the male from twenty years old, even unto sixty years old. Even your estimation shall be fifty shekels of silver, after the she shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be female, then your est estimation shall be thirty shekels. And if it be from five years old, even unto twenty years old, then your estimation of the male, twenty shekels, and for the female, ten shekels. And if it be from a month old, even unto five years old, then your estimation of the male, five shekels of silver. And for the female of your estimation shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from six years old and above, if it be a male, then your estimation shall be 15 shekels. And for the female, 10. 
But if he be poorer than your estimation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall value him according to his ability that vowed shall the priest value him. And if it be a beast, whereof men bring an offering unto Yahuwah, all that any man gives of such unto Yahuwah shall be holy. He shall not alter it nor change it, a good for a bad or a bad for a good. And if he shall at all change beast for beast, then it and the exchange thereof shall be holy. Let me just pause here real quickly. What you'll notice here is that the Levites and the priests had many jobs. It wasn't just teaching the Torah, sacrifices, but they were also the bank. They were like the money system. They were the, they were, um, yeah, they were, they were the economy, period. And if it be any unclean beast of which they do not offer a sacrifice unto Yahuwah, then he shall present the beast before the priest. And the priest shall value it, whether it be good or bad as you value it. Who are the priest? So shall it be. But if he will at all redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part thereof unto your estimation. And when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto Yahuwah, then the priest shall estimate it, whether it be good or bad. As the priest shall estimate it, so shall it stand. And if he that sanctified it will redeem his house, then he shall add the fifth part of the money of your estimation unto it, and it shall be his. And if a man shall sanctify unto Yahuwah some part of a field of his possession, then your estimation shall be according to the seed thereof. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at fifty shekels of silver. If he sanctify his field from the year of the jubilee, according to your estimation, it shall stand. But if he sanctify his field after the jubilee, then the priest shall reckon unto him the money according to the years that remain, even unto the year of the jubilee, and it shall be abated from your estimation. And if he that sanctified the field will in any wise redeem it, then he shall add the fifth part of the money of your estimation unto it, and it shall be assured to him. And if he will not redeem the field, or if he have sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed by anyone. Uh, by, it shall not be redeemed anymore. But the field, when it goes out in the jubilee, shall be holy unto Yahuwah, as a field devoted, the possession thereof shall be the priest's. And if a man shall sanctify unto Yahuwah a field which he has bought, which is not of the fields of his possession, then the priest shall reckon unto him the worth of your estimation, even unto the year of Jubilee, and he shall give your estimation in that day as a holy thing unto Yahuwah. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return unto him of whom it was bought, even to him whom the possession of the land did belong. And all your estimation shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Twenty gira shall be the shekel. Only the firstling of the beasts, which should be Yahuwah's firstling, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox or sheep, it is Yahuwah's. And if it be of an unclean beast, then he shall redeem it according to your estimation, and shall add a fifth part of it thereto. Or if it be not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your estimation. Notwithstanding no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto Yahuwah of all that he has, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto Yahuwah. None devoted which shall be devoted of men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is Yahuwah's. It is holy unto Yahuwah. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto Yahuwah. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which Yahuwah commanded Moshe for the children of Yashrael in Mount Sinai. Hallelujah.
So <clears throat> that is the end of Leviticus. We finished it. We're going to be on to Numbers next week. Hallelujah. So with that, brothers and sisters, uh, I want to pray and then a couple announcements. <clears throat> Father Yah, we just come before you again and thank you for allowing us to study. We pray that you'd continue to give our heart understanding and cultivate uh, fruits of righteousness within, from within us. And we pray to be good examples, to be the light to the nations, Father. Help us. Give us divine appointments at your command. And we love you, we love you and we thank you for the Shabbat, all your Shabbats. In the name of Yahushua. Amen. So Shavuot is next weekend for us. It'll be, uh, at least the, the calendar we do, it'll be next Sunday. We'll be celebrating it from the evening of the 27th of May to the evening of the 28th. So on that, make sure you, well, most of you don't work on Sunday anyway, so praise Yah. Uh, but if you do, please uh, consider getting off work that day. And we will do our best to um, live stream or at least record um, our Shavuot gathering. So you can maybe try to participate online. Um yeah, keep us in prayer for that. And uh, so, speaking of which, if if you want to, we're uh, if you want to join us, uh, it, we're still open. Um, we'll be doing it on a campground, uh, so you can come and bring your camper or a tent if you'd like, or if you just want to visit. Either way, um, there will be a link in the description box um, if you want to come join us for Shavuot. Mark your calendars. Uh, also here in Southwest Missouri uh, at the same campground. Um, j uh, July 7th, 8th, and 9th will be a Hebrew music festival. Uh, as rec recently, uh, we've added a, uh, a reggae-type band that is amazing, sings to Yahuwah. The band is called The Highway. Uh, I'll probably try to feature one of their songs here maybe next week. I don't have it prepared for this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, so anyways, so if you want to come join us, it'll be three days. It'll be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of just... All worship and praise to Yahweh. This is going to be set-apart music, people proclaiming the name of Yahweh, the name of Yahusha, and following his ways and goodness. Um, <clears throat> so that's coming up as well. There is a um, there is a, a verse in the book of Natsurim I'm going to read real quickly, and it'll, it'll pertain to uh, this announcement. It says, <clears throat> "Never." this is chapter 9, verse 54 of the book of Natsurim, Never be afraid to voice your needs. And if you have a friend, turn to him whenever you require help. For this is the nature of friendship. I want to just mention this because um, I, I want to give Yah praise that from the beginning, I've been doing, doing ministry for what, uh, seven years? This is the seventh year? Or this is the beginning of the eighth year? I don't know exactly. Anyways, um, start uh, from 2018 and on, late 2018 to now, I, I've been doing full-time ministry. This has been my full-time job. And some of you may not know that, you know, a lot of work goes into this, but the, the ministry has really expanded as of late, um, the really the last, the last year, the last three years we've been doing, we've, we've had a congregation, but really the last year, <clears throat> things have really expanded. I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but we, we do have a community. Um, actually, we don't ever really take a census. We've got maybe 14, 15 families here. Um, and praise Yah, He's provided us with a building, a uh, gathering place. It's only you know four miles away, and, and it's it's a really blessed thing. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, over the last seven eight years, I, I've never once had to ask for anything from anyone, and Yah has provided all of me and my family's needs at all times. And now that the ministry's expanded, and there's a lot more people uh, kind of dependent on on uh, the ministry, uh, this will be my first time ever reaching out for help. Uh, we've we've kind of um, uh, 
we're, we're, we're in a bit of testing uh, financially at this time. We just replaced our roof, praise yeah, which is a huge roof. It was a massive job, and uh, our guys did it, praise yeah. The problem is the the projected cost went kind of way over that um, for different reasons. And uh, at the same time, our AC went out, um, and our fridge went out, and our uh, oven went out all at the same time. Praise yeah, we had some uh, some families locally that helped us out with a fridge and an oven. Um <clears throat> But this is me reaching out for help. Um, we, we've got a ministry here that a lot of people kind of rely on, and um, I need help. So this is me reaching out for help. And um, like I said, I've never done, never done this before, so this is really awkward territory for me. And the reason it's awkward is because um, I, I rec- even though I didn't grow up in the church, I recognize that, chur- that mainstream churches have just become money, 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 money. It's always money, 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 money. And I, when I set out to do ministry, I'm like, uh, I'm going to be different. I mean, it's not going to be about money. I'm never going to mention money. I'm never going to, you know, ask for help, at least for myself or for the ministry. Uh, we have asked in times past for other people's needs, um, but we we have some needs. And, and so this is difficult for me to do, but this is some of the fruits of the book of the Nazarene, which says, never be afraid of voice your needs, which I have not wanted to do. And maybe that's to me in pride. The, the the beginning of where I'm at now has been I just don't want to be like the churches and I don't want it to be about money, money, money. And um, we know that tithing today is a lot different than it was yesterday. Or some people would say tithing is not for today. And that's that's, that's a fair statement. We don't have an active priesthood and, and uh, a lot of things we were just reading about. Um, but this, the basic premise of the tithing is, is I, I think, still in effect but the reason i'm bringing this up is i always thought it was very hypocritical that the church would talk about tithing which was a torah principle but then the torah was done away with so anyways i'm kind of rambling at this point because this is it's uncomfortable for me um but that's just kind of where we're at so anyways um we could use some help and if you can't help please just pray for us and um yeah blessings so with that um We'll end with a few songs, and uh, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to play "Prepare the Way" by Left and Right Ministries, who uh, will, of course, will be headlining the um, um, Hebrew Fest, and they'll play one other song, maybe. Shabbat shalom. One, two, one, two, three, four.